you, gentlemen, for the Marathon, David and Company. This is Tim and Friends for Monday, March 21st, a.k.a. Deadline Day in the NHL, the day when hockey Twitter takes place on live TV. I'm Tim McAuliffe, and speaking of the social media ting, Jesse Rubinoff is here manning the ones and twos of Twitter and Instagram. Hit him up with your interaction and reaction to what you just saw all day long on Trade Deadline at Tim and Friends. Listen, we're in an interesting predicament here today. I mean, coming off what can feel like 220 hours <laughs> of deadline coverage, but we'll follow up with it. We will tell you the winners and losers of the day, at least in our minds. Kevin BX, Elliot Friedman also popping by. Of course, we'll hear from the GMs who are involved in the poker game known as Deadline Day. As mentioned, the two guys will walk over from the NHL on Sportsnet studios. Friedman, BX, they'll be in studio to help us break it all down. Plus, the newest Maple Leaf, Mark Giordano, is set to join us in the next 90 minutes before hometown hockey takes over ahead of the Bruins and the Habs from Montreal. As will Kent Hughes, GM of the Montreal Canadiens, who will join us just past 6.30 Eastern time. So yes, we have got all that, but we also have some pretty significant news elsewhere as the Atlanta Falcons have dealt former MVP quarterback Matt Ryan to the Colts. What is that? Quarterback number four and four years, five and five years for Frank Reich. The Raptors fresh off maybe their most impressive win of the season in Philadelphia on to Chicago to face DeMar DeRozan and the Bulls. And the Jays continue spring training with a game against the Tigers after a very promising start to Grapefruit League action. So please keep your hands and feet inside the ride at all times. Lay down the remote because here we go, starting with Jesse Rubinoff. And first things first, What's the deal, Stan Smeal? Let's go. Had to be a hockey name today. Had to be a hockey name today. Had to be a hockey name today. How long do you think it takes BXA to get over here? It's a far walk. It would be a, I would guess it would be a saunter after that long on TV. Yeah. And I'd have no problem whatsoever if there was a stop, stop at, at the cafeteria. Or a Starbucks coffee yeah. on the way. I get it. Yeah, we'll see what he walks action. with. 100%. Uh, okay, 26 trades today involving 42 so players so far. Yeah. Uh, apparently it's slow uh, with email and nowadays in the NHL. Uh, 21 draft picks. Those are the official numbers of this year's trade deadline. No blockbusters today after we saw some big deals over the weekend, but there were some significant moves. The Wild and Rangers making the biggest moves today. Minnesota picked up Marc-Andre Fleury from the Blackhawks for a conditional second-round pick, and they acquired defenseman Jacob Middleton from the Sharks, while the Rangers added Andrew Kopp from the Jets, Tyler Mott from the Canucks, and Justin Braun from the Flyers. Pretty quiet day for the Canadian teams, though the Oilers did add Derek Broussard and Brett Kulak, and the Habs also sent Arturi Lekkinen yeah, to the Avs. So, with all of that said, Timmy, who were the biggest winners and losers from trade deadline day? Let me start with who I'm going to eliminate from my list of winners and losers. And I know that there are a lot of people right now saying that the New York Rangers are winners given the fact that it's Cop, Mott, and Braun. Sounds like a great law firm, <laughs> Cop, Mott, and Braun. We represent you when no one else will. Mm -hmm. I think it's a decent haul. What I wonder is, is this too big of a jump for the New York Rangers to go from where they were to where they think they could be? And I know it's an arms race in the East, but you're putting a lot on Igor Shosturkin, who has been able to handle most of that. I just This is a Vesna goalie, and he might be able to carry him through a couple of rounds, but part of me feels like you have to lose before you mm -hmm. win, and I'm not sure that they have won. I feel like Tampa is a real contender for a third straight 
Stanley Cup championship. And Hagel, Nick Paul, and Riley Nash are solid additions to what is already a solid team and makes them one of the winners of the day. In fact, if you just rolled through the Atlantic Division, you could probably pick a winner from Florida, Tampa, maybe even Boston. And I like what the Leafs did, but we'll have that conversation. The one thing I want to add on Tampa is, listen, this isn't Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, and Barkley Goudreau's replacements. Like, People forget what they lost from last year's team. I know what they still have is significant. I know they added good pieces today, and they will be heavy to play against. But let's not act like they're walking away with this. I like Nick Paul a lot. I think he'll be heavy. I think he'll be a good addition to this team. Hagel is a nice pickup who can score goals. And Riley Nash, you've seen him. You know what he is. He's a professional. But it's not Blake Coleman, Yanni Gord, and Barkley Goudreau. Florida adding Giroux, Sherratt, and Hag is a close second to me, although most of that was done before today. It feels like when I look at the top teams in the East and the West, frankly, with the Colorado Avalanche, they all decided and identified that they're in win-now mode, so they made the corresponding moves to to try and win now. And yes, a lot of those names that you mentioned are sort of depth names, but to me they feel like the classic names that you would pick up at a deadline, some checking line guys, some guys that have are capable of putting the puck in the back of the net in the postseason. Uh, and Except those are the types of moves Giroux. that can put you over the top. Except for Claude Giroux. Yeah. But... Uh, I think anyone who was going to pick up Claude Giroux was going to, that that makes the most noise. So for me, it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the way that Calgary and Colorado have Mm -hmm. played over the last little while, no one else in the West was ready to push chips in. Yeah, why would you? You heard Daryl Sutter, what, a couple weeks ago make that uh, quote about the Avalanche. If you play them, it's going to be a waste of eight days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Wild picking up Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the ones that maybe a bunch of people out there are saying, well, that could have won the deadline. And listen, I've got nothing against Marc-Andre Fleury. I think he's a really good goaltender. Mm -hmm. What I do know is that the Minnesota Wild are going to be in cap hell because of the dead cat. Excuse me, the dead, don't say dead cat. (laughs) That's a different thing. No, that's hard The dead cap money. Yeah from their buyouts next year. So it was kind of a now or never, but they haven't been the same team since the start of the year. Now, you could say maybe Marc-Andre Fleury will be better than Cam Talbot, but Cam Talbot was an all-star. Like, there's, there's a lot to what went on here. I think that Marc-Andre Fleury was done in Chicago. I think he was looking for a new home. And Minnesota is a nice fit for him. He played with Bill Guerin, the GM in Minnesota. So maybe there was some comfort there. But when you think about the Canadian teams that could have picked him up, if he goes to, say, Toronto or Edmonton, I immediately think that they're better than the Minnesota Wild. Both of them. You want to have that conversation now then? Why not? Natural segue. Uh, Are you surprised... Marc-Andre Fleury goes to the Wild, and neither the Toronto Maple Leafs nor the Edmonton Oilers pick up a goaltender. This this Edmonton story, like, if you're listening over the last little while, you understood that there wasn't much available to them. Yeah. Right? Like, Spectre, I read it out a couple days ago. I got it in my notes today. Give me two seconds. I'll get it for you, Jesse. This is directly from his story a week ago. Stapled everything, those papers. Yeah, I had to staple them all. (laughs) Marc-Andre Fleury does not wish to play in Edmonton, we are told. Ditto Simeon Varlamov, who we are told will use his 16-team no-trade to stay on the island. Anaheim's John Gibson has a 10-team no-trade list on which Edmonton can be found. 
So who of the remaining goalies are better than what you've got right now, especially when you just came off a 5-0 and homestand and are 12-5-1 and under Jay Woodcroft? Like, that's... I. How many times in this show did I say the Edmonton Oilers need to give whoever the bleep their head coach yeah. was a fighting shot with a goalie? And it became obvious they weren't going to do that. So the next best thing is go get a defenseman. They did that. And they got Derek Broussard. But isn't the frustration with the Oilers, particularly the Oilers, not the Leafs in this scenario, that they should have gotten a goalie a long time ago? And, yes. and now you got into the situation where you're at the deadline and why, there's no one left on the cover to take at the deadline. No, but in part, they were in that trouble because they were up against the cap, too. For a, Yeah. And not and enough fans understand how hard it is to make that deal against the cap without giving up a piece off of your team. Mm-hmm. And who are the pieces off your team that other teams want? Like, you have to be realistic about this. And the same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fans. Like, I heard a lot of people, when the deadline was done, talking about how the Leafs didn't get a goalie and how Edmonton didn't get a goalie. And common sense told you going into the game, that probably wasn't going to happen. Neither of them. And yet people are upset the next day. Listen, the Toronto Maple Leafs told you several times that they liked their goaltending. And while they might not like Peter Morazic enough not to keep him on waivers, they rolled the dice to see if someone would pick up that cap hit off of waivers. And when they don't, they slide him right back in. This Harry Carey Sateri <laughs> debacle, like, let's not waste time on this and act like the 32-year-old was going to come in and do what he did for Finland in the Olympics. Like, oh, so good. Whoa, Nelly. Like, forget about it. The the Toronto Maple Leafs need Jack Campbell to be the Jack Campbell he was for the vast majority of his time with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you're stunned that the Leafs didn't pick up a goalie, sorry, Jesse Rubinoff's Twitter account, then you're not paying attention. Because they've been telling, unless Kyle Dubas was just playing poker, he's been telling you day after day that he likes his goaltending situation, and given where they are against the cap, it's a similar spot. I totally get that. But I also think you have to be realistic about what lies ahead in the postseason, who you're playing, who you're going up against, and to hope that Jack Campbell just somehow finds what he used to have Hope isn't a strategy. And then you're going to go in the first round and play the Tampa Bay Lightning, most likely, and go up against Andre Vasilevsky. So you're either going to have a struggling Jack Campbell or a prospect in Wool or Eric Schalgren. And who's the alternative? Well, we went through this a couple weeks ago. It was was probably like a a Reimer or a Braden Holtby or a Corpusalo. And I understand. Come on. I understand that the chances of that working out would be a bit of a stretch. But was, would it really be worth not doing anything when the draft capital would be like, oh, a third-round pick or a fifth-round pick? I don't know the price, but I'm assuming it wouldn't have been that expensive to get a Braden Holpe or a Reimer or a well, Corbisano. Braden Holpe went off when Hudobin got hurt. Right. That was done. So just a, a, so bring in a guy with Reimer. a change of scenery. A, a change of scenery comes in somewhere else, maybe doesn't okay, work but, out, no, but, but at least they have a bigger track no, record. No, but you're not, you're not taking into consideration what you do to a room. Like, everyone loves Jack Campbell in that room. And if you bring someone else in after, like, look at the numbers here. For, for what, 53 games, he was one of the best goaltenders on planet Earth. We agreed. Okay? 100%. And over the last 15, 
panic has set in in Leafs Nation because he hasn't played that well. None of the goalies that you name, save for maybe Marc-Andre Fleury, who would be near impossible to pick up, would be better than what you got there. And if you're saying, okay, bring in James Reimer, send down Peter Morazic, what are you doing with that $4 million against the cap? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you have to figure out and maneuver, and I just don't think that a lot of people want to get down into that nitty-gritty to understand what that's truly about. And for me, good for Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan, Mm -hmm. because either they're going to look smart or it's going to end for them. Right. Right? And a lot of, like, they stuck to their guns. Totally. And they are either going to eat it or look smart. Okay, so here's here's my question, my follow-up question. You make a move to get Mark Giordano who is a 38-year-old defenseman who still has some left in the tank. It's a good move. It shores up the D, which we discussed the Leafs needed to do. But that says to me that it's sort of a a win-now move. You appreciate that you have a core. You're getting better defensively. Do you not sort of owe it to everyone to, if you're in fact trying to win it all now, to at least bring in a goalie who's playing at better than a 780 save percentage at the moment? What if at the moment, though, Jesse? It's been three months, right? It's been 15 games. It's it's been 15 games, and then he had versus 53, right? Which is not a huge sample size either way. Either way, 53 and 15. We did sit here and say that he was a front runner for the Vesna at the time, but 53 and 15, it's still not that big of a sample size. But now you're saying that the guy who you thought was a Vesna candidate legitimately legitimately could be replaced by James Reimer. Yes, the way he's playing right now. And didn't we sit here and say that we, we didn't know if he had what it takes? Goal, I can't believe you were a goalie. Listen, if I was struggling... you were jumping off the bandwagon no, no, no. in a hurry. Yeah, I, I sympathize so much with, with Jack Campbell and, and, frankly, all goalies that struggle. Because once you lose it, to get back in that zone that Jack Campbell must have been in for a long time... That is incredibly frustrating to not be able to find that. And it's not that Jack Campbell is not a good goalie or not trying or not practicing. He is trying. He is trying desperately. Maybe he's trying too hard, but sometimes you just can't find it. And you gotta make you gotta figure something else out. You have to have a plan B. There is no plan B here. What's the plan B? There is no plan B. They're going with what they have. They're going with the guy who over fifty three games looked like one of the best goaltenders in the in the league. That's what they're doing. In fairness, and you will be able to judge game. them by that when all is said and done. Yeah. And, and that's, like, I have the 53 games. You have the 15 games. There's also an injury in there. And there's also a room that likes the guy. Mm-hmm. And what seems to be a room and or a management that believes in the guy or had no better choice. Otherwise, they would have made the move because I feel like there would be pressure and a ton of pressure on Kyle Dubas. The flip side in Canada, and Kevin Bieksa may have that Starbucks in his hand. I was thinking he may have that Timmy's in that (laughs) hand. I hope he brings one in. But if he jumps in in the middle of this, I don't mind it. But I feel like Calgary and Colorado doing what they did in the West Mm -hmm. made it very interesting for guys like Kevin Dayoff behind me. In Winnipeg, because it felt like kind of a status quo deadline for Alvin in Vancouver and Winnipeg. And maybe 
that speaks to the idea that you and I and Elliot Friedman were talking about when maybe the pandemic hit those teams a little bit harder and they didn't want to sell because they need the playoff dates if they can get them. Although It's very interesting. Neither of them look like they're in a great spot. Um, I wanted to, but so the JT Miller, remember the JT Miller trade rumors? And now he's, he's, stay, I, he's sticking around because the contract is next year. You still have JT Miller next year. He's still a great player. And you're going to give the team a chance to be better next year with Bruce Boudreau for a full season, right? That's got to be the only explanation for that. For JT Miller? Yeah, to keep him. Or Besser or Garland? Like, yeah. the Garland one, I thought, was going to happen about a month ago. Right. And now where they are, I just think it's been complicated. And listen, Jim Rutherford goes into Vancouver not shy. He has never been shy. In fact, he's got big ideas about what he wants to do with a team. And I thought this was an unlike Jim Rutherford deadline. And a move like JT Miller, like this is also the highest. He's on a 100-point pace right now. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get something back for the guy, this would be the deal to make. I just think over the last month, he played himself into a position where if you traded him, people would be pissed. Speaking of Vancouver, Kevin BX will watch a step here because it's kind of hidden there. And if you rolled an ankle, yeah, still got it. (laughs) Still got it. it. I love the fact that you walked in. We're just talking about a team that uh, I know you've had a keen eye on. By the way, how was it over there? You okay? I know you just did like eight hours of coverage. It was good. Yeah, Yeah, They gave us like a peanut or two each and (laughs) half a glass of water, so I feel great. Was the walk over here more of a saunter? Like I said to Jesse, if I were you, I probably would have gone and got a coffee. I didn't realize how close you were. To, to our studio. Yeah. I honestly didn't know where I was going, but you're close and beautiful <laughs> set here. Nice. Yeah. We have any, uh, oh, yeah, we got a BXA right over there. I think Ken Reed brought oh, it in yeah, the yeah. studio. That's a Patrick Marlowe fight in the, uh, the playoffs. Marlowe suckered me with a good one right off the bat, too, and that's why I was so mad. Yeah, you can see it on the, uh, can we, Sebi, can you bring it up? There's, a, there's an extremely mad face. Yeah, that's, um, um so he, dro- he did the old Wendell Clark, I called that, that where you drop the gloves early yeah. and you throw the first punch. because I just didn't think, I didn't think he was going to fight me. And then next thing you know, his gloves are off and he just hits me with a bomb off the chin. And I was like, okay, that didn't feel too good. And then, <laughs> and then it was on. Was that picture before or after the bomb? Like, that was after the, after the bomb. bomb. That was like, I don't see anything there. Yes, I know. Good chin. Good yeah, chin, good eh? chin. No yeah. glass on this yeah. chin. Yeah. I can take a punch. Like, no, 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 give me one right now? No, no, I'll show no, you, I'll show no. you on TV. <laughs> I can take a punch. So what do you think of what Vancouver did or didn't do today? Um, I think Dermot is, is good. I know yeah. we, we watch Dermot a lot here in Toronto, and, and you know, he kind of find himself under the rotation a little bit like that. But I, I think he's a great defenseman. And we talked to him today, and I said, do you think you can get more of the offensive part of your game out in Vancouver with the way they play in a different team? You'll be probably in the top four. And he said yes. He thought he was pretty confident that he could add that to, to his, uh, his repertoire. But, um, I mean, we knew what Vancouver was going to do. They were going to get rid of stuff. They were going to try to get as many assets as they could. Besser and Miller probably weren't going to happen. That's probably a summertime thing. But mm-hmm. we knew Mott was probably going to leave. And, yep. uh, you know, to, to get rid of Hamannick's contract at 3 mil and bring in Dermot, wow, yeah. that was magical. Yeah, last night when I saw that deal, I thought, like, you just saved a million and a half against the cap. Hamannick out, 
Dermot in, like that seems to me like a good piece of business for the Vancouver Canucks, but I wonder yeah. what they were going to do today. That, that was great. So I, I said it on air. I don't know if anyone caught it, but I actually I texted the Twins, the Sedins, and I was like, oh, wow, wow, that's an unbelievable deal. And then before I sent it, I'm like, ah, too, too soon, right? So then I deleted <laughs> it all. I never actually sent it. But, but I'm thinking right now, I think Dermot's going to have a good good role on that team. Yeah, welcome to my life on Twitter, one. And two, mm-hmm. I felt like the deleting them after I send it because it's probably too early or before I send it because it's probably too early. And the Dermot was, like, I like him a lot. I think he was yeah. redundant in Toronto yeah. and a lot of the same guys in Toronto. So let's get to the conversation that we just had to get your opinion on Edmonton and Toronto. And a lot of fans in both those markets wanted a goalie, did not get a goalie. Price was too high. Price was too high, and they just they didn't have the room. They didn't have the room to fit it. Like Flurry was the only goalie on the market, and to be honest, like Flurry's not even having an unbelievable year. Flurry's like under 500. You know his, you know save percentage is just almost at you know 91, but still there was just going to be too much to give up. And and I know both teams ideally would have wanted a goalie. Like he's great for Minnesota because. Minnesota already has an all-star goalie, Talbot, and he's not having a great, you know, couple months after since the all-star game, but it's going to be a one-two rotation, and, and Fleury, as, as Colby mentioned, is a great teammate, and he's great. He's a great partner, and they'll be able to figure that out and not have any animosity, but there really wasn't, there was, there were slim pickings on the goalie market for both Edmonton and Toronto. Right, it felt like a bit of an arms race in the Atlantic Division when you oh, break boy. down what Tampa did, what Florida did, what yeah. Boston did, and then you add Giordano to Toronto, and he's going to join us a little bit later on the show. So who do you think did the most for their cause down the stretch? Well, here? that division, you look at Florida and, and you know, bringing in Sherrod, and, and then they, they luckily they brought him in before Ekblad got injured, right? Yeah. So, and then, you know, Hag probably came in after the Ekblad injury, and, and Drew... I think the price would have gone up, though. Big time, <laughs> big time. Drew yeah. kind of fell in their lap because he said he wanted to go to just Florida, and he right. had, you know, the right to refusal. So you look at what Florida did, and then... Carolina didn't really have to do a whole lot because I think they're a great team already, but they add Max Domi, which, which is great. And then Tampa Bay, you know, adding, which is super admirable considering they've won back-to-back Stanley Cups and they're still adding and they're still trying to win. A guy like Brandon Hagel is like a great player, a great yeah. ad that nobody ever thought that they could actually pick up. Nick Paul, same thing. That division is so scary. The East is scary in general. And then we haven't even talked about the Rangers yet. Rangers, like, if you have actually watched this team play, this is a big, heavy, nasty team, and they got even stronger today with Mott, with Kopp, Bronze. Like, I've seen Braun in his prime. He's a great defensive defenseman. And Vitrano, I haven't really talked much about him, but it's a good-looking team. Do you think it's I, – I, I was saying to Jesse that sometimes I feel like you got to crawl before you walk. And the goalie there has been unbelievable. Shesterkin's been unbelievable this year. He's probably the favorite for the Vesna. But I almost feel like this was a deadline too early for the Rangers. But if it's there, go ahead and try. I don't think they they had plans at the start of the season to go for it all this year until they saw how good Shesterkin was playing. And now it's almost like one of those things where maybe he's maybe he's Jose Theodore, where he has one one unbelievable year, and then you know the game falls. So you got to take advantage of this. He's he's on top of his game right now. He's playing so good. Reward your team. Give him a chance. You notice how I'm not wearing a suit jacket on here because I've been chirped so much about this shirt today. So I'm like, you know what? Like Berkey chirped me right off the bat before like. Well, we weren't even to. on air. Oh, okay. Like Zach Cassian's throwing digs at me, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm going no coat, and I'm going to show everybody the shirt that I bought yesterday. The uh, the body language from, of the crossed arms suggests some uncomfort, though. No, it suggests like uh, I know it looks like it's from Eastside Mario's, but it's not. 
Bada boom, bada bang. Hey, bada boom, bada bang. Nice. Get the garlic loaf and keep it coming, kids. Uh, I love that you don't pull punches uh, unless uh, apparently you were, it was Maroon. That was who it was? No, I wish I hit Maroon. Who was that? That was Marlo. Marlo. Marlo, yes, Marlo. I didn't even stick on that. What are I you know. fighting Patty Marlo for? I know. He's too good to fight me. <laughs> yeah, but he hit you. If I was him, I wouldn't fight me. Yeah. Um, is it kind of ridiculous that five of the top nine teams are in the Atlantic Division and they're going to beat the snot out of each other? And yep. it feels like the East has loaded up here and whoever gets out is going to be more beat up than what we expect the West to look well, like this I think year. Elliot kind of alluded to that. He said um, it seems like everybody in the East beefed up because they have to, and it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot in the East. Yeah. In the West, I think a lot of teams looked at Colorado and Calgary and said, we're not beating them this year. Like, we could add and we could sell the farm a little bit. But if you look at them, you know, standings-wise, yes, Colorado's way up there. But, uh, you know, and even Calgary, you get into the playoffs and you look at the way those two teams are built. Colorado can score goals with anybody. They're the best at scoring goals. Calgary is probably the best defensive team, big, nasty. I think a lot of those teams in the West looked at those two in particular and said, we're not getting by them. So let's, let's wait another year. I could be wrong, but I will say it might, might be Eastside Mario's. But you're filling out that shirt the way you did when you were a kid, and I'm filling out this shirt, kind of at the bottom part of the shirt. I, I don't. I look better <laughs> standing than I do sitting. <laughs> a little crumpled no, sitting. Nobody looks good sitting. I'll tell you <laughs> that. The much. Worst seat what do you got over there, Jesse? Uh, uh, Dale wrote in and said, um, "Is that Wayne or Kevin BX? I believe that's Wayne from Letterkenny." <laughs> oh, oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I've never yeah, seen Letterkenny. It's, it's pretty similar. Great show. Yeah, great, great. Who's that, Dale? Did Wayne. you just say you've never yeah, seen it? Great, and I've never seen it. Great chirp, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> beat it. Beat it. Uh, listen, you can beat it. I know you've had a long day. We yeah. appreciate you walking over here and doing this with Cheers. us. Cheers. Been day. a long time. I know. I don't think I've ever been in the studio. Well, no. I definitely haven't been in the studio. Yeah, but you're always back there on that TV. I'm next door. Like, let's do it again. Yes, please. Yeah. I would love Maybe that. Maybe in a while, but. <laughs> take, a, take a little break. <laughs> take a break. Like Sid did. Yeah. Time for a break. When we come back, interesting weekend for the Raptors and the Blue Jays, but in this Deadline day, we got you colored, covered. Elliot Friedman, Mark Giordano, Kent Hughes, Habs GM, and Bad Tree Living scheduled to join us in the next hour and a half. Tim and Friends, Deadline Day. Let's go, kids. Thanks, Max. I appreciate it. That's going to be hit a mile. Wow. Here's Matt Chapman, and he swings and hits one deep to left field, and welcome to the Blue Jays, Matt Chapman. Westbrook puts it up, and it goes. Lakers push this to overtime. Offensive foul! Ooh, an elbow right to the face of Boucher. With celebrations for Ferrari, Charles Leclerc wins the Bahrain Grand Prix. Let's go! Let's go, come on! Two set Deadline Day edition of Tim and Friends. Mark Giordano will join us. Habs GM Kent Hughes, Elliot Friedman, Brad Tree Living, the GM of the Calgary Flames, in just a flash live from Calgary. But we start uh, this segment by checking around the league more specifically. 
the Canadian teams. The Winnipeg Jets in an interesting spot. Plenty of rumors surrounding Andrew Kopp going into the day, and they end up dealing him to the New York Rangers. With more on what happened in friendly Manitoba, here's the friendly Sean Reynolds. Well, Tim, the Winnipeg Jets came into the trade deadline trying to pull off a little trickery in that they were going to be both buyers and sellers at the same time. And it looks like they pulled that off, bringing in players like Mason Appleton, who the Jets both drafted and developed before losing to the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. They're excited about what he will return to the lineup. They also had a player like Zach Sanford from the Ottawa Senators. Middle six help, exactly what Kevin Sheveldayoff said he was looking for. That's what they brought in. Now they lose players like Nate Beaulieu, prospect Nathan Smith, who sounded like he wasn't going to sign with the Jets. And the contract for Brian Little, these are cap moves that will help them with financial flexibility, not just for the rest of the season, but for seasons going forward. Of course, the biggest move is the loss of Andrew Kopp, traded to the New York Rangers. Here's the deal. Kopp was going to be an unrestricted free agent, unlikely to sign with the Jets, and because their chances of making the playoffs are so low, it made sense to move him. However, the Jets haven't given up on that final playoff spot in the Western Conference, so they didn't want to get much worse. That's why they bring in players like Sanford and Appleton to spell off the loss of Kopp. However, Andrew Kopp is a very good player. The Jets likely a worse team today than they were yesterday as they try and push for that final playoff spot. And those home dates in Winnipeg for the postseason after two years of pandemic. Jesse, you got something from someone? Yeah, Tyen writes in uh, NHL Jets, my team did what they normally do each trade deadline strive for mediocrity. Tough spot to be in. Very tough spot to be in. All right, uh, we'll keep getting your tweets at Tim and Friends throughout today. Uh, Let's move on. And I've got a feeling that there might be some upset folks in Edmonton. Not with the way they're playing of late. Just finished a 5-0 homestand. They are on nationally tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. So we go to the Mile High City and our friend Gene Principe. Gene? Tim, the Edmonton Oilers were set up uh, right behind me here at a hotel in Denver as they made their way through trade deadline day. And it started with a deal with another Canadian team, the Edmonton Oilers getting Brett Kulak from the Montreal Canadiens, a defenseman that gives them some depth on the blue line. Uh, interesting side note, he's from Stony Plain, Alberta, which is uh, just outside of Edmonton. And then they went out and got Derek Broussard, a forward with the Philadelphia Flyers for Broussard. This will be his 10th NHL team. He does give the Oilers a lot of experience, especially in the postseason. He's played 117 playoff games, and that includes a run to the Stanley Cup final with the New York Rangers. Reports are that the Canadians and the Flyers picked up 50% of those respective players' salaries, which was great for Ken Holland and his team as they were up against it when it came to the salary cap on deadline day. Neither will be in the lineup tonight against the Colorado Avalanche, Tim, but we'll wait to see if Broussard and Kulak make their Edmonton Oilers debuts Tuesday night when the Oilers are in Dallas. Thank you very much, the finally quaffed Gino Principe. Neither Sheveldayoff nor Holland have held their post-deadline press conferences as of yet, but I got a feeling once Holland hits the podium, there will be some tough questions for him, especially about goaltending and what was available to that team. Uh, Bradshaw Living has held his availability. He's going to join us in mere moments from now, but let's get the latest on his Calgary Flames leading the Pacific Division heading in, and it seems like they've solidified their spot. With more, here's Ryan Leslie. Ryan? 
Flames general manager Brad Living felt he didn't have to do as much this trade deadline because, quite simply, he and the Calgary Flames did their heavy lifting early on when they acquired forward Tyler Toffoli and forward Callie Yarncroke way ahead of the trade deadline. They did make a minor move, a little bit of a depth move, which we thought they might, but it wasn't on the back end. It was up front when they acquired Ryan Carpenter out of Chicago in exchange for a fifth-round pick. He, of course, adds a fourth-line center-type role, a right-handed shot, but Brad Truliving saying for the most part that this team believes in itself, believes that they know they are a good team. Still lots of work to be done before the end of this regular season, but now it's all systems go on a team that he feels could make some noise the rest of this regular season and hopefully into a deep run come the postseason. Tim. Seems like they were able to move from a position of strength, and that always makes a general manager feel a lot more powerful for sure. on deadline day. The Toffoli move has already worked out for this team. Yarn Crook is a good pickup for the team because he fits in with guys who knew him well. In fact, three of them are from the same small city in Sweden, which is amazing. And I feel like that position of power is also where Flames fans are dealing from, Jesse. Yeah, so Jake writes into the show and says, Flames rule, exclamation mark, uh, will be a handful for the Avs. Um, so Daryl Sutter had that quote about the Avs. Uh, eight wasted days? Might be eight wasted days if you play the Calgary Flames in the playoffs as well. Yeah, they were uh, in a decent spot heading into the day and heading out of the day. Uh, let's talk to their GM to see where he is. Brad for Living joins us now here on Tim and Friends. Thanks for doing this, Brad. Really appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, does it feel like you had, just because most of the heavy lifting was done before today, you had of a, a bit of a different experience on deadline day? Yeah, Tim, I, I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, we had done a lot of the, you know, we'd done our, what I would say, our significant moves, um, you know, in the last month with, with the addition of Tyler and Callie. And, um, I mean, we, we came in the last couple of days, certainly – Looking at some some things that we we were we were doing, but to me you're you're more around the edges than you are, you know, doing any major surgery. So um, it was an active day. Uh, it was a busy day, and the staff was was busy with different ideas and thoughts. And uh, um, and we're happy to get Ryan uh, added to our group. So, but but certainly coming in without you know with with adding those two players earlier. You know, we felt a lot, a lot better coming into the day if we uh, versus if we hadn't done that. Is your Ryan Carpenter official? Are we allowed to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it. We're okay. still, we're still lined up in the. Uh, we're like, uh, we're like at JFK on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> and everybody's backed up, so we're still waiting in the queue. But we, we anticipate that there, there won't be any problems with that. There's, uh, there's no greasing the doorman to get by this queue. Like you just got to stand in line. Yeah, 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 it's it's like when you Tim was a young guy paying the doorman to get in, get in a little bit, you know, a twenty to get in the back door. They, they don't allow that. They don't allow that. No, no, I uh, I always dreamed of being Goodfellas and walked in the back door, but I always had to pay at the front door to get it done. Yeah. So so let's talk uh, about the team and where you guys are at, and we won't weigh too much into into Carpenter, but when <laughs> when you dealt for Toffoli. Um, and then you dealt for Yarncroft. Were those the two things that you were looking to do, or at least those positions that you were looking to add? And was there any thought about adding any anything on the defense? Yeah, I mean, number one, we were looking at a four group here and had been for a while of of, of just you know more depth, more scoring depth, 
more positional depth and more 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 versatility really and i get probably the easiest way to say it um tim is the other night and you know we run, we've run with a pretty you know pretty stable lineup most of the year especially up up high in the pecking order so you've had you know Lindholm between Gaudreau and and Kachuk you know which I think has been one of the top lines but yes. the other the other night in Vancouver Daryl Daryl moved some things around and 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 it showed really at the end of the day the flexibility lineup is you know he reunited uh, Matthew with Michael Backlund who played a lot together previously and so when you take Matthew off that line before the move of adding Tyler you know, really, we didn't have somebody that wouldn't be playing out of place um, if you moved him into that spot. And so Tyler moves up there seamlessly. We got Callie, who, you know, strengthens us down the middle, but he he's versatile to play on either either wing. Um, and just so that depth that gives Daryl and the coaching staff more options uh, was priority number one. We, you know, we looked at we looked at the defense today to see if we could we could you know make ourselves deeper there it was it was it was two things you know there was some you know there was some good good costs we had we had shot some bullets earlier and you know like i said with the other acquisitions so there were some good costs and good returns being garnered for those players and when we looked at the marketplace um you know to us we had to make an upgrade of what we already had to be spending assets and you know when we look at the seven we have here we also include players like valamaki and Mackey and 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 others that we have in Stockton who are having a hell of a year. So, um, you know, we looked at it, ultimately felt that the, the best, you know, the best move for us today was, was Ryan. Are you surprised there wasn't more action in the West? Uh, I don't know if anything ever surprises you. I think, I mean, there certainly was some action. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the, you know, it, it, it felt like the Middle East, uh, everybody arming themselves up. Uh, in the East uh, uh, um, today, with everybody you know really making a lot of moves, but you know you look at teams. I think I think a lot of teams out west. Obviously, Colorado got better. I think St. Louis got better. Uh, right. You know, Edmonton added some some players. Minnesota adds the goalie. Uh, you know, and you know we know how strong the West is already. So um, you know, certainly we know the competition around us is strong. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily think anything surprises us that, you know, people are going to be active on, on deadline day. All right, so listen, Brad, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of picking at some yogurt at lunch. I'm trying to be healthy these days. I don't know how much it's working because i got a bit of a barrel on myself. But uh, I'm watching uh, the Sportsnet trade deadline coverage, and there comes Mr. Tree Living with uh, Ryan Leslie. And at the end, I'm going to play this clip so that our audience who didn't see what I saw that made me spit out my yogurt a little bit <laughs> and thought it was so funny that we posted it. It's already up to around 1,000 likes. But here's, here's the end of the interview with Tree Living and Ryan Leslie. Would it have killed you to put a tie on and dress up today? It's a big day. <laughs> yeah, nice sock tie. Is that a rental? <laughs> David. Honestly, I thought it was the perfect ending to a wonderful interview. Yeah, for Leslie to start criticizing people about wardrobe, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, um, you know, he came with his usual haircut here today. So, um, <laughs> We'll just we'll just leave it at that. We yeah. uh, feel, we have a lot of fun. I feel bad about the haircut, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> uh, Brad, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this on what is a remarkably busy day. All right, thanks, Tim. All right, be well. There is uh, Brad Treliving, general manager of the Calgary Flames, leaders in the Pacific Division. Jesse Rubinoff, more interaction. Yeah, Vic, Acton and friends. Vicky responded to that, saying Trey getting his sense of humor from Daryl Sutter.
<laughs> very similar. Uh, I don't know. Setters is so dry. Extraordinarily dry. The dry, which, the driest. Which, which makes it even better. All right, time for a break. We've got a lot lined up here. Mark Giordano, newest member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kent Hughes of the Montreal Canadiens joining us. But up next, was that the most impressive win of the year for the Toronto Raptors? And how impressive have the Toronto Blue Jays been in Grapefruit League action? Highlights next. to Tim and Friends. More hockey on the way. Mark Giordano, Kent Hughes, GM of the Montreal Canadiens, will join us, as will Elliot Friedman. But we're going to break away for a split second on the hockey coverage and get to some interesting news elsewhere, Jesse. Yeah, uh, let's go to the hard court because the Toronto Raptors look for their seventh straight road win tonight when they visit DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls. Fred Van Vliet is expected to be back in the lineup, but Gary Trent Jr. will miss tonight's game with a hyper-extended left last night without Van Vliet. The Raps beat the Sixers 93-88 in Philly. Did that win in your mind, Timmy, make up for Friday's disappointing overtime loss to the Lakers? Listen, I know that every win matters for this team at this time, but I didn't hate the Lakers' loss. Like, LeBron James played out of his mind. Russell Westbrook was engaged and decided to show up, and they got bounces. Yeah. Like, they got several bounces just to get that game into overtime. They ended up winning it. I know it's disappointing to Raptors fans. Uh, but that's the way the ball bounces sometimes. That was kind of like a bleep happens game. But last night in Philly, after looking like early they might get run out of the gym, that might have been their best win of the season. Like down 16 in the first, allowing 37 points in the opening quarter, the Raptors put their pride on the line and not only shut down Embiid and Harton, but they completely outworked the Sixers. Like, I thought, I thought that game was embarrassing for the Philadelphia 76ers to face a squad that didn't have anyone over 6'9 and get beat on the glass by 16. The Raptors were plus 16 on the boards last night. Like, MVP candidate, yes. Great player, yes. But... If I'm Joel Embiid and James Harden, that's embarrassing to get outworked like that. Like, you better not bring that to the postseason in that city or that city will start turning on the Philadelphia 76ers. Maybe not James Harden, but to get outworked like that on home floor in that city, yeah, damn near embarrassing. Is it time to start talking about Precious Achua? Because a big reason why Joel Embiid struggled in last night's game was Precious Achua's defending. And offensively, he's been a completely different player post-All-Star break than he was uh, before the All-Star break. Right, cliche, awesome. cliche first, difference between good and great is consistency. When we see it consistently from Precious Achua, then we will get on that bandwagon. But you can see the last seven games, like yeah. it's real. And then to see him switching off of Embiid to Harden, like he guarded both of their best players and had a good offensive game. Like this is Masai. <laughs> this is Masai's very friendly dream. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> this I is, had a feeling. This is a dream for Masai Ujiri to have all these guys that can defend multiple positions. And Precious last night was like. If Masai were to put on a projector something that he wanted to see from this group, Precious was that last night. Yeah. 
Very nice job at uh, censoring Actions. censoring yourself. Did you see Drew Timmy, by the way, and Gonzaga censor himself in the post-game interview, oh, too? Oh, yeah. so good. He's, yeah, that's, that was outstanding. Mm. Uh, okay, let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's stick with Toronto teams here. The Blue Jays are off to a 2-1 and one start in spring training and home runs this weekend from Vladimir Guerrero and newcomer Matt Chapman in their spring debuts. It didn't do anything to slow down the hype train no. that is the Toronto Blue Jays. Today, Alec Manoa getting the start as the Jays took on the Tigers in Lakeland, Florida. Tim... Uh, would you do the honor of taking us through the highlights? I would love to take you to the highlights. Uh, Alec Manoa getting his first taste of spring training today, and he was uh, he was greeted. Akil Badu, one of the best names in all the baseball, in the bottom of the first, leading off, first pitch swinging, rips it down the line. I think that would probably be smart in any game, first pitch swinging in spring training, because you know the guy's just trying to get one over the plate. Stand up triple. Next batter, Riley Green to center field. How about that? Malik Smith making the diving grab. Now, Badu would score on the sacrifice. It's one nothing Detroit. Manoa would settle down. Parakeys, next two frames, finished with one earned, two hits, two punch outs, over two innings pitched for Manoa. Meanwhile, Nate Pearson next on the bump for the Jays. A lot of eyes on what Nate Pearson will be this year. And man, did he look good. Gave up just a walk, no hits, struck out four, over two innings of work. It's a good start for the big fella. Top five Jays still down one nothing. Santiago Espinal. Swinging 3-0, shoots one the other way. Drive in a run, Espinal would later score as well to give the Jays a 2-1 lead, a lead they would not relinquish. They moved to three and one with a 3-1 victory. How'd I do on the highlights? Yeah, as good as usual. Uh, Manoa. Good start. Rest of the Jays, lots of good starts. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., obviously, in his first plate appearance, absolutely scorching a ball mm. in the parking lot. Uh, we've seen Oralvis do some damage as well. And Greg Bird might be the most intriguing name to me so far. He's hit a home run. He had another RBI today. Mm. He's got now three RBIs. Could Greg Bird, who bust onto the scene with the New York Yankees, perhaps be the left-handed bat that this order needs? It seems like that's the thing that, that's the one thing that they crave, right? But maybe this lineup's so good that they don't even really need him. If he's not, you know, if, if he's going to perform like he did in his rookie year, then yeah, it'd be great. But if he's, of course. But if he's not going to add much, then maybe you don't need one. That rookie that year good. wasn't for, a, I just think that they need a left-handed bat. Yeah. And I think that they're giving him an opportunity because they need a left-handed bat. One more story that I want to pass along, and it's more of one that I want to keep an eye on. George Springer hasn't played yet. The Jays are downplaying this. How long before Uh, that becomes a story? I would assume a couple more games. Two, three more games. And you start to get a little concerned. I I might be already a little concerned, but the Jays are saying he just wants to do his work in the cage. So I'll allow it. But a lot of people are going to have an eye when George Springer gets into a game. Time for a break when we come. Jays are just a better team. Let's bring in the lineup. Mark Giordano will join us. That's right. Hometown boy back in Toronto. Could he complete his storybook with the Maple Leafs? We'll check that out. We'll also go around the league. Leafs. Habs. All coming up in today. Tim 
time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. Hour number two on Tim and Friends. Full hour on Sportsnet 360. And we'll talk some Raptors and Jays after interesting weekends. Just a half an hour ago, Sportsnet ahead of Rogers Hometown Hockey live on the road from Lloydminster right on the border ahead of the Bruins and the Habs, which is on Sportsnet. I hit this pen against here. I apologize. Oilers face the Avs. Sportsnet won. That's a real good game, especially the way the Oilers are playing right now, finishing off a 5-0 homestand. You can see that. Seven local in Edmonton, nine Eastern again. Sportsnet won. Elliot Friedman and the newest league, Mark Giordano, will join us shortly as the NHL trade deadline has come and gone. For those looking for what their team was doing well, Let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were quiet today after acquiring Giordano and Blackwell from the Kraken. Yesterday, a lot of eyes on the Leafs goaltending situation with Jack Campbell working his way back from injury and ready to take over the crease and try and help the Leafs out for their first round win. Or at least that's what they're trying to do. Here's Leafs GM Kyle Dubas on the belief in Campbell. The one thing about him is he always finds a way to to bounce back. He's a competitor and I think he thrives when, when there's doubts and he thrives when things get rocky. And for me, being a goaltender here in Toronto, you have to have that quality and he has it. And um, I think that the injury with him may have come at a, you never want a player to get injured, but I think it may come at a very positive time for him to get, get back working on his game, get things stabilized and, uh, and get ready to roll for the stretcher in the playoffs. Interesting too that there was some talk about a flurry deal from the Blackhawks GM. We'll get to that later. The Habs continue to style stockpile draft picks as they made multiple deals today. Arturi Lekanen to Colorado in exchange. Former first-round pick Justin Barron and a second-round pick. They also sent Brett Kulak to the Oilers in exchange for William Logishin and a second-round pick. Andrew Hammond was sent to Jersey for forward Nate Schnarr. One player not to be traded, Jeff Petrie. Here's Kent Hughes on that. I spoke with him before today and just said, hey, you know, we're going to try. We'll see. Um, you know, term contracts starting with a larger number aren't a little bit harder to do with the trade deadline because the teams that are looking to trade don't typically have that kind of, of cap space. So um, I told him, I said, hey, if, we, if it happens, it happens. Uh, we value you as a player here and this organization. We're not looking to trade you we understand the circumstances so if we can do it we'll do it but I don't want you to have any false expectations going in. The Habs general uh, general manager will join us a little bit later on in the show in fact on Sportsnet 360 just past 6:30 Eastern time as hometown hockey will take over on Sportsnet great hike haircuts all around our next guest is one of the newest members of the Toronto Maple Leafs but no stranger to the city as he joins a growing list of local boys returning to the city in what I will call their Carlsberg years. Mark Giordano joins me now. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. I heard you just got off a flight not too long ago. Hope it was good. Is that, uh, is that true? Yeah, yeah. I got uh, landed here around 3.30, 4 o'clock, I want to say, and everything went smoothly. So it's uh, good to be back. Uh, so have you have you met with the guys? Like, what's been the uh, what's been the the scene so far? Yeah, not not really. Uh, just got got a ride back to the hotel, trying to settle in here, and uh, um, just 
you know, get, get acclimated a bit. But uh, I'm, I'm going to head into the rink early tomorrow, and I'll, I'll see all the guys then. Nice. We got you before the boys. So, so on, <laughs> on times like this, you read the rumors, and you try and sort through the truth and the horse bleep. But was it true that you wanted to come back to Toronto if, in fact, that was available? Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think uh, there was a list of teams. I had a pretty pretty uh, honest talk with uh, Ron Francis about a month before the deadline, and uh, um, you know, just talked to him about what the future held. And he mentioned that there was he thought there was you know up, up to six teams that would be interested, and Toronto was uh, one of them on the list. And you know, that's one that obviously stands out for a number of reasons. Uh, um, but I just. I, uh, when it when it started getting closer to the deadline and it started becoming more and more of a possibility, it was it was exciting and um, and when it had finally happened, it was it was pretty cool. It's pretty special. So, what's the outside look or the hundred yard view of the team that you're about to join? Like, what do you see about the Leafs from the outside looking in? Well, I, I, it was a team that excited me because. Uh, you know their team. They have 83 points in the standings. You look up and down their lineup. There's uh, there's obviously uh, so much depth in every position. And uh, I thought it, I thought there was a role for me to play here, come in and play and, and help this team in a positive way. So uh, we played them a couple weeks ago, and I thought uh, you know it was a pretty it was pretty it was an eye opener. I thought that was the best uh, I've ever seen their top line look against uh, me as a player. Um, it was a pretty dominant performance, obviously by uh, by Matthews and, and Marner and Bunting there that night. But uh, I just like I just like their overall game. I like the, the speed they play with. I like their aggressiveness, um, and I'm I'm happy to be joining them. And I'm gonna you know they do my best to fit in and, and uh, play that style as well. Well, I'm guessing if you went straight to the hotel, straight off a flight, you might not have had a chance to uh, to chat with the coaches and get what role you'll be playing with this team. But is it nice to to join a squad that you know a few guys on and maybe an old defense partner sitting there? Yeah, I mean, it means a lot. To, I think, you know, that stuff, knowing the guys, that I'm from Toronto and I'm back in the city about a bunch in the summer. So, so whether it be, I've played with Broads, obviously, for a long time, but you know, just knowing Spez my whole life, playing against them and, and skating with a bunch of the guys here in the summers, like whether it be, uh, you know, at a scrimmage here or, or a skate there, you, you run into guys uh, throughout the summer and gotten to know a few of them uh, quite well. So I'm excited to get here. Um, um, I think it'll be a, a, a pretty pretty uh, easy transition for my family and myself. And uh, that way it's, it's, it's that much easier to focus for, uh, you know, the on-ice stuff. I know family means a lot to you, as you mentioned them. What's it going to be like playing at home? Oh, it's going to be great. I think for my just for my kids, I think uh, uh, they're getting older, you know, and, and to be able to spend time now with, uh, you know, family, first and foremost, my, my grandparents, my sister, but then cousins and all that too, it's, it's, it's great for them. And uh, uh, for my wife as well, she's from Toronto as well, Lauren's from here as well, so she has a ton of family here too, and it'll be It'll be, we'll have a lot of support and we'll have a lot of help, and that's going to make the, you know, the trade and the transition to coming coming back here that much easier. You know, from growing up in this city, there's some pressure that comes with this market as well. Does that sort of thing bug you? No, uh, you know what? I played in Calgary. I think uh, maybe Calgary's not to the extent of, of Toronto, but there is there is a, a lot of passion. I will say in Canadian markets and and. Uh, 
you know what? That's that's the one thing uh, playing in Seattle is a little bit of a different feel for me, and and uh, you know, not having the coverage of hockey on the TV every day um, for a little bit maybe it's nice, but I, I'm a I'm a big hockey fan as well. So um, you know, I know I play in the league, but I enjoy. I enjoy watching uh, games and stuff on my off nights and, and things like that. So um, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. It's a challenge, and, and uh, I think it's you know a mindset you have to you have to know that um, if things aren't going well, you're going to get you're going to hear about it. And if things are going well, you're going to hear about it in a positive way. So you just have to. It's all a mindset and, and how you take it and how you handle it. After spending your entire career in in Calgary. You obviously go to Seattle, and then it doesn't last a year there, and you're in Toronto. But does the move maybe make it a little easier to become acclimated to a new team? Because it's not like you guys got a ton of games here before the playoffs hit. You got about 20 games. Is it going to be tough to kind of get up to speed on the team that you're joining? Yeah, no, I think the move makes it, it makes it a lot easier being my hometown. But, um, no, I, I just feel excited, man, like to – through the last month or two, I will say in, in Seattle, you know, it's it's a, it's a terrible feeling, especially as a player, uh, a guy who's been around for a long time. But you know, you're not playing for for playoff implications, and to get back into a playoff race and right back into the the mix is is, is exciting for me, and I'm I can't wait to get going. I, I you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to that first game I get into and and playing with a lot of excitement, a lot of energy. So let me, uh, let me take you back, and I tell the kid who I believe went to Chaminade uh, that he'd be 38, 16 seasons in the show, a Norris Trophy, and now playing for his hometown Buds. What would he say? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know what I would say, but uh, I could say this. It's, pretty, it's a pretty special feeling. Uh, when, it, when it happened uh, yesterday, it was, it was pretty cool. And, uh, um, yeah, I just think it's, it's a great it's, – it's, it's a great, great opportunity for myself, and, and I'm going to take advantage of it. So uh, looking forward to it. Listen, I know the heritage is Italian. Is there anyone that uh, home cooking that you're looking forward to getting in your belly here? Like is there, is there someone feed you every time you come home as a road player that, that may get a few extra visits over the next little while? <laughs> I mean, my mom is definitely going to get a bunch of visits. She was <laughs> – she was mad at me tonight because I told her that I'm just going to lay low and relax tonight, and uh, uh, she was ready to ready to cook for me from day one. So I'm sure I'll get a bunch of meals uh, meals from her over the next uh, little bit here. Nice. Uh, well, we appreciate you uh, while laying low joining us here on the show, and uh, as always, wish you the best of luck. Okay. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thank you, Mark. There is uh, Mark Giordano, newest member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, here on Tim and Friends. Uh, you could tell there was some excitement about being at home here. I love how we got him before we got to hang out with the boys. Yeah, he's been good to us over the years, yeah. whether it was Calgary, Seattle, or now with Toronto. Another guy who's been really good to us, Elliot Friedman, who's been standing outside that <laughs> door for a little while. He's going to come in here and break down deadline day in the NHL as we get you set for hometown hockey. Habs and Bruins coming up on Sportsnet. Kent Hughes coming up on Sportsnet 360 Jam Pack Show. Welcome back. Rogers Hometown Hockey is back on the road. Catch Ron and Tara in Lloydminster on the Alberta-Saskatchewan border, home of Colby Armstrong. That coming up in mere minutes right here on Sportsnet. Also includes... Uh, our boy, Colby, and then it's Habs and Bruins, all part of the Rogers 
hometown hockey series this time in Lloydminster. Elliot Friedman joins me now. Elliot, were you in our uh, green room enjoying some Fiji water and all of we the wonderful... We have a green room here? No, I don't have that kind of thing. That <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> that is not... I feel cheated. <laughs> uh, I feel like winners and losers is cliche, but do you have any winners and losers, Elliot Friedman? Look, uh, I thought that uh, I was... I thought Minnesota getting Flurry was really good. I thought Pittsburgh getting Raquel was really yeah. good. Uh, I thought... Um, you know, I thought Colorado getting Lekkanen was really good. I'm probably missing people. Rangers and Cop. I, like I said, I think the most amazing thing about today is that it looks as if all the East teams basically just had an arms race. Yeah. They, you know, they all just loaded up and said, we're all getting something. Carolina probably made, like, like, probably made the smallest move, and even I think Max Domi is going to help them. But the West teams, to me, like a number of them just basically kind of said... Um, the the West teams basically said, I think there's some of them that are in it, and some of them that said this is not our year to add, and that was the biggest difference. Is that you look? It's Colorado, it's St. Louis, it's Minnesota, Calgary. They really loaded up, and the other teams there weren't so sure it was their time. You, you mentioned Minnesota and the pickup of Mark Andre Fleury, and there's a connection there between Bill Guerin and Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah. But there's a little bit of talk right now about the Leafs' interest in Fleury and how far that went. Jesse and I, off the top, we're talking about uh, Toronto and Edmonton not getting a goalie. How close did the Leafs come to getting Fleury? Not at all close, yeah. but. So here, here's the whole story. So last week, and we talked about it on the podcast on Friday, Brandon Hagel was traded for to Tampa. And the Leafs had interest in Brandon Hagel, and Chicago asked them, and, and we talked about this for a, a first-rounder and Matthew Nyes. And Matthew Nyes is, is Toronto's top prospect. He'll be with the team, I think, next month after the, the Frozen Four. What I didn't realize at the time was that, and, and Toronto said no. They said, you know, they weren't willing to do that. And... What I didn't realize at the time was that Fleury was also discussed in that deal. And Toronto just said, we're not doing that. We're not trading our first rounder and we're not trading that prospect. And so, but it got out. And, you know, Dubas, as he said today, is, is not happy uh, that it got out. Right. And uh, he believes, and, I, and I'd heard this on the weekend, that it was Chicago that leaked the information. And, uh, you know, Dubas pretty tight. Um, I don't know if he's Lamorello tight. I think like a lot of guys, he tries to be, or Iserman tight, he tries to be, but he's pretty tight. And, um, you know, I, I think that at this time of the year, people are really sensitive, and uh, he was upset. And he, he's, he believes he has reason to think that it came out of Chicago. Uh, apparently, uh, Kyle Davidson was asked about it, and yeah. he said that he will address it with Kyle in yeah. private. So there'll be a little conversation between the two GMs. Can that cause when, a ripple? When Lowe and Burke go into yeah. the bar and they can be on the undercard. <laughs> right. Uh, can that cause a ripple in the room when you hear or have players been around this enough to know? No, I, I think I think it depends. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, uh, I, I can. Like, depends on the person. Uh, there are some players who shake it off and they say, I, I don't care what any of you jerk-offs think. Right. And there are other players, and they get shaken by it. And I think that, you know, Fleury wouldn't get really bothered by it, I don't think. But where it really gets you is families. Right. Um, you know, there are families uh, who get, uh, who the, you know, a parent gets upset. Uh, you've got a, a situation with your kids in school at this time of year. 
like that's where it really goes sideways, Tim, is sometimes if uh, a wife or a partner or a parent gets really upset about it. Sends a text. That, and all of a sudden that's where the headache, because right. it's almost always broken telephone. Like right. That's where it goes wrong. Although, you know, I, I will say this. I, I, I've had one player in recent years. He said to me that, and this is a player who's been on several different teams. He had a, he had a, a manager come up to him the night before uh, a, a deadline, say, would you like to go? And he said, no, I, I've, I've been traveled a lot. I wouldn't mind staying here and finishing the year. And the next day he got traded. <laughs> so, I mean, this time of year, it, it really drives people up the wall. There's no question about it. Um, was the no Jacob Chikrin deal the most surprising thing of the weekend to you, or was there something bigger? I probably would say yes. Um, in terms of people who weren't dealt, I, I would say that that was the most surprising one to me. Uh, I think Arizona wanted to do it. I think Chikrin wanted it to happen. You know, the injury probably complicates things a little bit. But Arizona knows that this is a trade they have to sell, right? They can't, they can't make a deal that their fans don't like. So they've continued to ask high. And uh, so far at this point in time, teams are, teams are balking at that. So we'll see where it goes at the draft. Uh, some suggested that the most surprising thing of the weekend was that, uh, or maybe least surprising thing of the weekend, was that Edmonton did not get a I'm not surprised at that at all. Yeah. I, I honestly, you know, I don't know how many times I've been on your show this year where mm-hmm. you've asked me about Edmonton and goaltending, and I think my answer is just the same that they think the prices are, uh, you know, what they were asked to pay for what they were going to get. They didn't think it made sense. You know, I don't. Mark Andre Fleury was not an option for the Oilers. He, he was not going there. And, um, you know, one of the things that I looked into today is when they, when Minnesota traded for Flurry, uh, they talked about um, Kokkinen being available, and eventually we found out that he was going to be traded. And, you know, again, I looked around. I heard, you know, just for the price that Edmonton knew they'd have to give up to get him, they just didn't think it made sense. So I think the Oilers, for, at this point, when the Oilers got into a position where they were battling for the playoffs, Ken Holland said, we're not giving up a first rounder, and we're not giving up our best assets for a goalie, and he stuck to it until the bitter end. Sometimes when I listen to Thirty Two Thoughts, things stick in my head. It's probably a bad thing for you and Jeff Merrick when they do. But the one that stuck in my head for a while was the idea that Winnipeg and Vancouver needed playoff dates, or would like some playoff yeah. dates, given what they've gone through over the last two years. It kind of played out that way, didn't it? Well, I think with Winnipeg, they uh, they kind of had a plan that even if they subtracted, they were going to try to stay with it. Right. And they did that. You know, I, I listened. I saw some quotes from Kevin Chevaldeau's media conference just a bit ago, and they got Appleton back last night. And I guess he's been trying to reacquire them all year. We'll see what the Sanford thing is. I think this summer. Winnipeg is going to have some very, very big decisions to make. Without a doubt. Very, very big decisions to make. Dubois, uh, Shifley, uh, Hellebach, I I think there are going to be some interesting conversations about potentially the future of that team. Uh, You know, Vancouver, I think the same deal. I think that they... Uh, you know, they obviously did made a couple of moves, but I, I, I think what they were kind of they're kind of looking at is what are we really going to do this summer to change the future of our franchise? The one thing I thought was interesting was Boston signed Jake DeBrusque, yeah, and they got that qualifying offer issue out of the way. I, I don't know if Besser, I, I don't think Besser was right now, it, it was in the same boat of willing to do that. 
So for the for the uninitiated, he lowered his qualifying offer by signing on. It's four yep. years instead of what was it, four point four one? Four, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he dropped it a little bit, and I wonder if that'll be something that we see in the near future. Hey, I'm about to have uh, Kent Hughes on the show. Yeah. And uh, just rifling through because I know it's been a whirlwind. You've been on the air, the uh, air for about eight hours today. Our Terry Lekkinen deal. Uh, they retain fifty percent of the salary. They get a former first round pick and Justin Barron back a second round pick. The Ben Sherratt deal, and of course. Tyler Toffoli, uh, do you like, I mean, that's a tough position for a GM to be in. Hey, welcome to the team. Key pieces got to go. Well, I think, I, I look at them, they didn't trade uh, Shea Weber's deal today, and I guess that, I guess Arizona went for Brian Littles instead. Right. So that was an interesting one. I think one of the most questions that I'm curious to see is, when do they sit down with Martin Saint-Louis and say, are you taking over next year? Right. And, you know, are they say, Ken, have you offered Martin St. Louis five years to become the head coach yet? Are, are you asking me to add that to my well, list know, of I, questions? I, I, I think, <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> probably what a lot of Canadians fans are wondering. Got it. You know, the, the thing I really think about Hughes that I'm learning is, is that he sets a price. And if you don't meet his price, he doesn't make the deal. That's what you heard today. Well, I, that's what I heard throughout the deadline. Mm -hmm. First, Sherratt. Right. Didn't do it until he got a first. <laughs> got it. Uh, Lekkanen. Like he set that kind of a price. Like that's a good prospect they got from from Colorado. Yeah. I mean, a prospect's a prospect. You never know, but he's got a good rep. You know, he sets a price, and if you don't make it, he's not making the deal. That's a tough one for the the Habs fans, though. Arturi Lekkinen. Like that's a guy that there's always that like he could be really good, and he never got to that really good, but he was good. And he will be he good for Colorado. Goal. You know, yeah. just you know, he's going to be a third liner on a good team. You know, it, it, the thing is about the NHL is that I was talking about this with someone yesterday. The NBA is a very tank or win league, right? And Major League Baseball is a very tank or win league. The NHL, they're, they're, I've had this argument with people: should should the NHL be more of a tank or win league? And I think the thing that prevents that from happening is that it's much more dependent on gate revenue, right? If it was all TV money, I think we'd see. But there are times in your existence where you should be buying more lottery tickets. Tampa's not buying lottery tickets right now. No. Seattle is. Montreal's buying lottery tickets right now. Uh, Fridge, I know it was a long day for you. I appreciate you doing this. Is, is I knew deadline the I knew the rules coming in. Overrated, underrated, rated just uh, well enough. I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I, like I'm a little annoyed at myself today. I didn't think I did a great job, but, um, you know, I, I, I love the, uh, I love the adrenaline of it. I, um, you know, like it's, it's, it's good for the Feels sport. Like a lot of pressure though for it's not, the insiders. It's, that's stupid. Like pressure is <laughs> like having a real job. I think that's really <laughs> dumb. I, I think, I, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself, Thanks. but I think that's, that's dumb. I just, you know, I didn't think I did a great job today. It bothers me a lot, but um, I got to tell you something. I love the day, and uh, it's great for fans. I don't like you being upset at yourself. That's all, for Yeah, you've seen me, you I mean, know me a long time, so yeah. it's, it's always going to be like that. I mean, it might sound dumb, but it comes from, from oh, the heart. Don't be an idiot. Like, seriously. <laughs> this isn't like a tear-jerking <laughs> movie. Elliot Friedman, everybody. Time to send it to Rogers Hometown Hockey as it continues right here on the network. Ron and Tara are standing by in Lloyd Minster. As for us, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. And if you want more hockey, we've got you covered as well. You have your choice of hockey. Habs GM Kent Hughes will join us after a busy day in Montreal. Back in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. Hometown Hockey on Sportsnet.
Tim and Friends continues coast to coast on Sportsnet 360. I'm Tim McCall. Jesse Rubinoff sitting over there. He will have last call in mere moments from now, but we promised even more hockey before the break, and we deliver it with the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, Kent Hughes, who joins us now. Kent, thanks a lot for taking the time and doing this with us. No problem. Thank you for having me, Tim. So was the, uh, was the first deadline all it's cracked up to be? I mean, come from the outside looking in, it looks like a pretty busy day. Uh, how, did your goes, how did yours go in your estimation? Day, I, I would say it was a little more than a busy day, probably <laughs> yeah. a busy week leading in. But also t- t- tough from our standpoint when you're – when you're trading away parts of your family for for uh, picks, it's it's difficult. We look forward to a day where we're adding to the family instead of subtracting, but it's part of the business. Yeah, I was, I was just talking to uh, to Elliot Friedman about that very thing about you know baptism by fire for you. You have to jump into a team where you know what the process is going to be, but having to say goodbye to key parts. I mean, how did those conversations go over the last little while and? Is that something that you kind of have to lead up into because the players pretty much know the situation that you're in? Yeah, you know, when, when we first took over, I think it was Ben had come and said, you know, he'd never been in this situation before. And, you know, it was causing a little bit of anxiousness or uneasiness. So we decided to meet with most of the players whose names were circulating rightly or wrongly and just say hey if you have questions feel free to come to see us and we just try to keep the lines of communication open with them so there were no major surprises was it uh, was it tough to let go of Lekkonen because I know there, there are a lot of speculation around him and where he was in his career I mean he goes to a good team was that a tough one for you very tough very tough very tough for the team for the coaches say i mean for all these guys they were they were we we hadn't had we're in last place but we had a really good locker room and uh, I, I know marty called me just earlier before i got to the rink and said i'm emotionally drained i've only been here six weeks and i'm really attached to these guys so it, it's the same for all of us has marty's job changed your outlook on this team Yeah, I mean, we hired him because when we expected he would maybe not quite the turnaround as quickly as we thought, but I, I think in terms of the communication style, the leadership, and, and the things that he's brought to this team, we expected from him, uh, and the style of play. So with a change in style of play, it, it we're looking at players and evaluating the kind of players that fit that style and Marty fit the style that we were looking to uh, implement here. So I guess there's reason to be excited for the draft moving forward. <laughs> yeah. If, if it happens here in Montreal, I'm sure we'll give the fans a lot to uh, cheer cheer about. So when you're adding to, uh, you know, I'll call it capital when it comes to draft picks, versus prospects Mm -hmm. and I know you went out and uh, you got Justin Barron from uh, Colorado back how do you weigh the draft picks versus prospects when you're making these deals well we we, uh, all things equal we would look for prospects just because they're a year two three years older and and we know more about them uh, to the extent that those prospects are on the right path. So we added Ty Smolanik from Florida, who was a third-round pick, and Emil Haneman was the first as a second-round pick originally to Florida, then to Calgary. 
uh, and then Justin Barron today. Has the pandemic made it tougher to scout for the draft, Kent? Well, I'd, I'd leave that answer to the scouts. Uh, but, but, you know, it's been fairly open this year and, and people have been able to travel. Clearly, there's still been delays and cancellations and we may not have the two-year book on, on certain players when they didn't in the areas where there wasn't much hockey played last year. Right. So now 20 games remaining in this year, uh, hometown hockey Bruins and Habs tonight. What are you looking for in these final 20 games as the team moves forward and tries to turn a corner? Same thing that we were looking for when we put Marty in as coach, that we weren't going to roll over. We expected our players to work and that we uh, weren't looking to. I heard I was listening into your talk with Elliot about the tanking and other sports, and we didn't want that here. Right. So one of the other things Elliot said to me, and I thought it was a pretty good question, was when does the conversation um, had with Marty about his future? I've spoken to him. We just said we would table it till the end of the year. We're not going to make the playoffs, so we've got whatever it is, five weeks left, and at that point we'll sit down and work to try to get him signed. Right. Uh, is there any update on Carey Price? Uh, I know a lot of your fans saw him on the ice, were excited by the pictures of him in practice. Do you have any more updates on Carey Price? Just that he continues to make progress towards being able to return to action in, in, until he's actually at that point. I mean, it's we're, we're still in a uh, work to return. Understood. Uh, listen, I know that there's been very little sleep over the last little while, and a, and a busy day may have been an understatement off the top, but we appreciate you joining us on this busy day. Thanks for having me, Tim. All right, thank you. There is Kent Hughes from Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens getting set to face the Boston Bruins on Hometown Hockey, which is available to you right now on Sportsnet. Uh, interesting thing about uh, perhaps Marty St. Louis. I was going to press the... It is available to you now on Sportsnet. A lot of love for Ken Hughes on the socials. Oh, yeah? A lot of love from, uh, from Habs fans on what Ken Hughes had to do today. Uh, Austin writes in says Montreal you know, won this deadline. Uh... Jill says Habs did a great job. Uh, David says Montreal and Kent Hughes did amazing. Uh, Edelgard says tell Kent we love him, which I didn't get to you in time. I'm not sure if you would have actually done that. But Pass that on. Yeah. It seems like given the position that he was in, you knew that there were going to be deals to be made. And, I mean, I think Ben Chirot did him an absolute solid by the way that he played this year. Yeah. And improved his stock. I mean, Sebastian Morin, who is behind the camera, is a, a fan of the Montreal Canadiens. And he looked at me about a month ago and said, like, what's Chirac going to get on the open market? And I a said, lot. there's so many teams in the hunt for him that you might end up with a first-round pick. And we got, kind of looked at each other and thought, ah, yeah, probably not. But they ended up with not only a first-round pick but more. So, I mean, Elliot said it. It sounded like he had his price. He wasn't moving from his price, and you had to meet his price. And uh, a lot of people sat down and decided to meet his price. Are you surprised that he got a first-round pick for Ben Chirot and then the Leafs were able to get Giordano for not a first, for the seconds? There was a lot. Like, listen, the, the salaries also play 
a little bit of a factor in this, but there was a lot of those kind of head like think about this, the Vancouver Canucks got more for Travis Hamanick than they did for mm-hmm. Tyler Mott. Like mm-hmm. there's not every deal is built the same and retaining salary and what the guy gets paid and all those things work into what you get back. But there is absolutely no doubt to get the first round pick Amazing. for Sherratt along with a fourth round pick and Tyler Smanek is like, that's a good job. And then to do similar or similar with uh, Arturi Lekkanen, though a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans didn't want to let him go, I think they did a real good job in Montreal with what they were handed. And that, to me, was like the absolute baptism by fire. Same was said for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine in Vancouver, but they didn't jump in the way Montreal had mm-hmm. to jump in. Mm-hmm. And given all that, I think that's why you're seeing what you're seeing right now on the socials, and that is some happy Habs A fans, lot of happy Habs fans. Despite what the hell we're going through right now yeah. in Montreal, a year after making a run to the Stanley Cup final on a goal scored by... Arturi Lekkanen against Vegas. All right, uh, listen, we've got more going on tonight, and including uh, the Habs and the Bruins on Sportsnet, but we continue our march around the league by checking in on what happened in Ottawa. Another seller this time around. Faisal Kamisa gives us more. Tim, I think Pierre Dorian lied to everyone. He said about 10 days ago, this would be the quietest trade deadline of his tenure as the team's GM. He ends up being, I think, one of the busiest general managers across the NHL. Monday was about getting players out that had contracts expire and getting some value back for them. But Sunday is what everyone's talking about. So let's break that down a little bit. The team sent out Nick Paul to Tampa Bay for Matthew Joseph and a pick. Now, Dorian said the decision to trade Paul became a little bit more serious when Tampa put Joseph on the table. This is a player they think will be able to contribute more with a bigger role here in Ottawa. As for Travis Hamanick coming in, another controversial deal for a third-round pick to Vancouver, Dorian said, look, we have picks. They think Hamanick is not only a guy that will help them this year, but help them in the future with some of their blue-line prospects, and they do have a bunch of them. I do think, though, the most telling quote came from Sense Captain Brady Kachuk. He said after a morning skate this morning, Tim, it's usually the losing teams that have to keep sending players out, and in his four years, that's all they've done. He's hoping they're a team that's acquiring players in the future instead of having to just trade them away at this time. Without a doubt, that is the next step for the Ottawa Senators to start making uh, those moves towards not being just the pesky Sens, but a team that can compete. And It's nice to see uh, our friend Faisal Kamisa out of the hoodie and into a tie. I have to say, you're very lucky that you stapled those papers together. Otherwise, it would have been a disaster over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to keep it all in it's order. It's just a very uh, impressive decision by you. I can look down at this stapled piece of paper and see that the Vancouver Canucks are four points out of a playoff spot right now. They have got 18 games remi- remaining and were one of the most intriguing teams heading into the deadline. But JT Miller stays... He and his 75 points, Brock Besser and Karna Garland all staying in Vancouver. With more, here's Dan Murphy in Vancouver. Dan Tim, it was rather quiet leading up to and at the deadline here in Vancouver as the Canucks basically just picked up a depth defenseman and depth forward and shipped out a depth defenseman and depth forward. On Sunday, the Canucks moving Travis Hamanick to the Ottawa Senators for a third-round pick. A short time later, they sent a third-round pick to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Travis Dermott. Now, on deadline day, people were wondering if they'd move a big-ticket item like a Garland or a Besser or even a Miller. 
didn't happen. Went right to the deadline. They moved Tyler Mott, an unrestricted free agent, to the New York Rangers for a fourth-round pick. And just prior to that, we learned that the club picked up Brad Richardson off waivers, so the former Canuck is coming back to Vancouver. It appears like all the heavy lifting for Alvin and Jim Rutherford will happen this summer. Tim? We'll see how heavy that lifting is. All right, time for a break. By the way, most intriguing team maybe of the deadline, Vegas. Dadnov? Mm-hmm. Just not much. But if they get into the postseason and they get healthy, look the bleep out. Time for a break. Last call. Rubinov next right here on Tim and Friends on Sports Center 360. With all the deadline stuff, we moved a couple things around. So a double tip of the cap on this Monday. Number one to Damian Warner, the reigning Olympic decathlon champ, took gold in the heptathlon at the World Athletics Indoor Championships in Serbia on Saturday. Warner won the event with 6,489 points, broke his own Canadian record, and is the highest point total in the world this season. World champ both indoor and and outdoor tip of the cap number one to Damian Warner. Also a tip of the cap to Dayton O'Donoghue. In January, featured her story here on Tim and Friends, and we have a good news update on that story. Bauer has committed to donating $100,000 in equipment wow. to support her Black Girl Hockey Club, which was the goal of Dayton's because she believes representation and opportunities are critical inspiring the next generation. Congrats, Dayton. We know you're going to inspire a lot of new hockey players with 100K in donations. That is awesome. That is very awesome. Good people doing good things. 100%. Uh, one really cool thing before we get into last call that I wanted to, to show you that Cap Friendly sent out right around the deadline today. This deadline was 3 o'clock, 2.43 they sent this out. Top traffic to our website by metro locations right now. So 2.43, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver. <laughs> and Quebec City, Quebec City is nine. nine. <laughs> I wonder who loves hockey. Which country that's enjoys so hockey? Should we show that to Gary Bettman? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what a lot of people are saying. Just send him a tweet. Yeah. Forward it. Uh, okay, I thought you did. might enjoy that. Uh, expectations are very high for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this season. And yesterday, Dominican baseball reporter Hector Gomez tweeted these before and after photos of Vladdy showing the progress he made with his trainer in the offseason. According to Gomez, Vladdy dropped from 261 to 239 pounds in just one month. One one month. One month. So have you placed your bet on Vladi for MVP yet? Well, where was he at the start of last season? Because doesn't it feel like he's just moving down? No, like he wasn't at 160. Sorry, he wasn't at 261. He came down and then he went back up. Went back up a little bit and then came back down in the offseason with a lot of hard-ass work. So it looks like he'll have to work his ass off to stay at that 231 but he looked like listen I am just the before pitcher the after pitcher in that before and after looks impressive my goodness Vladimir Guerrero so inspirational uh never mind cut or uncut it's just cut at least on the right side yeah nice very nice um the NHL trade deadline we had today the NFL said we're gonna make some moves of our own the Falcons traded Matt Ryan to the Colts for a third round draft pick Atlanta then signed free agent Marcus Mariota to a two-year deal. And the Colts were looking for a quarterback after trading Carson Wentz to Washington. Now, the question is, 
Is Matt Ryan an upgrade over Carson Wentz? Yeah, and they didn't have to. They got more for trading Wentz than they did picking up Matt Ryan. Like, it's over in Atlanta. They never recovered from 28-3 in the Super Bowl. They made one more playoff after that. Like, the blood on the hands of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick because of the 28-3. Not only Matt Ryan, the entire Atlanta Falcons organization. But I think... The Colts are a good football team. You and I talked about them several times. They needed someone to come in and be good now. And they tried that with Carson Wentz. It didn't work. I don't mind them trying Matt Ryan. I know he's old. I know he's not what he used to be. I know he's not the MVP. But I firmly believe that the Indianapolis Colts, who are pretty damn close to a playoff spot, got better today. And I think that if you just get good quarterbacking with Jonathan Taylor and that team... I think they could make some noise in what is going to be a tough-ass AFC this year. It is ridiculous, the AFC. It's ridiculous. It is But with Jonathan Taylor, Darius Leonard, they're still a good team. Did you see the dead cap money for the Atlanta Falcons on this deal? No. The trade will leave $40 million in dead cap money for the Atlanta Falcons. So Marcus Mariota, I know it's a starting job, but man, you deserve a hug today. Because that is going to be a real tough job in Atlanta over the next couple of years. But we've seen it flip quickly in football. So maybe this will be one of those things. And that's why you got the two-year deal instead They're of tanking. just the one-year They're deal. They're tanking. But oh my goodness, yeah. it's going to be a tough year in Atlanta. They're tanking. Uh, to March Madness we go. Montreal's Benedict Matherin put on an absolute show last night. Almost single-handedly keeping Arizona in the tournament. Matherin had 30 points including a preposterous poster dunk as the Wildcats outlasted TCU in overtime. Timmy, you picked uh, Arizona to win it all. Are you still confident in that pick? Are you more confident given what you saw from Matherin last night? It was a little concerning that they needed overtime to get rid of TCU, but Matherin was unbelievable. Unbelievable, Tim. Is, uh, I know what Seb's answer behind the camera is going to be, but uh, is, I mean, my guy is born in Montreal. Mm-hmm. He is a Francophone, Haitian descent. Is it Benedict Matherin? Or are we going, like, his middle name is Richard, too. So I don't think it's... Richard? Sebi, I don't think it's Benedict Richard Matherin, is it? But will the Americans be able to say what I probably can't say and say Benedict? No, no. no. Richard Matherin? No. No. Okay. So in Canada, do we try? Jesse, will you try and go with the francophone name that his parents gave him? No. (laughs) Didn't he get mad at one of the Americans? He did. He did. I don't know if he got mad, but Scott Van Pelt uh, was told at some point last night during the show that. Good looking fellow, that Scott Van Pelt. Absolutely. Yes, you look alike. The reason why I can't get hired at ESPN. Yeah, yeah, because Scott Van Pelt. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Same dude. So he was told, apparently, that he was saying, he was calling him Ben Matherin. Yeah. And apparently, Ben likes Benedict or. Benedict. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Matherin. Okay, yeah. I went a little too far there. Now you're getting yeah. confident. <laughs> I got no. cocky there. Say it like Pakata. Say it with confidence, Rubinov. Benedict Matherin? No. Uh, hard yeah, no? Yeah, the, there's, no the, there's no th. There's no th. There's no th. Matherin. 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 That's so bad. I was way off there. 
I was way off on the Mazarin. Either way, this dude is real. He's going to be a lottery pick, and I think last night he just boosted his stock a yeah. little bit by putting Arizona on his back and care. And it was a tough start for him too. I saw uh, last I checked he on NBA Draft Net he was sixth. But after last night's performance, I mean, you got to. He, he was sixth because the last time I checked, he might have been ninth. Yeah, no, he's he'll probably be in the top five after last night. Uh, okay, F1. Ferrari finished one-two at the F1 season opener in Bahrain on Sunday. Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz <laughs> finished atop the podium, with Lewis Hamilton finishing third <laughs> after both Red Bull cars were forced to Charles. retire. Charles. Charles. That's what I said. Oh, like the extra emphasis on that. Charles. Charles. I didn't say yes. Uh, did you watch? No. I, I know what the answer is. I like yeah. to rewind. No, I didn't watch, but I did capture the highlights, or watch the highlights, or see the highlights. And to see Ferrari capture one, two on the podium is a bit of a surprise, is it not? Well, they're expected to be more uh, competitive this season, but the big oh, shocker. One, two in race one? One, two. But part of the reason they finished one, two is because Max Verstappen's car failed. And so did Sergio Perez, or Sergio Perez. Um, late Wouldn't, in the very late in the race, both right. of them. So neither would have been. It wouldn't have been one-two Ferrari had not. Verstappen four. was Verstappen was second when his car failed. So Ferrari was still going to get a win and a one, first one, win. Three. First win in a long time. Yeah, one-three likely is what they would have been. That's still impressive. Incredibly impressive. And Mercedes, I know Lewis finished third, but without those cars retiring, it would have been. A bit surprising to see Mercedes 5-6 or wherever they would have finished. Uh, okay, Canada Soccer has announced its roster for the final round of World Cup qualifiers beginning Thursday in Costa Rica, which you can see on Sportsnet. As expected, Alfonso Davies is not on the roster. I saw his name and I excited. The Canadian men can clinch their first World Cup appearance since 1986 with a win over Costa Rica. Are you starting to get excited for this next round of games, Tim? Well, I'm going Sunday against Jamaica, and I know there are some who are voting for the tie in Costa Rica mm. and then coming home and perhaps clinching against Jamaica, but I also know that there are some voyageurs, some of the hardcores have made what would be a wonderful trip to Costa Rica, and I have a feeling, given the way that this team has continued to deliver, we might see something this week in a book a trip to Qatar. Wow. You just want to get it done, right? Like let's be let's be real here. It's been like, it's been a minute like, since yeah, you, they made you, it. You you want to get it done, but you gotta savor the moment. Yeah, but don't get greedy. Because it wasn't a moment. No, I'm not saying get greedy. I'm not saying to wait. I'm saying like this is crazy. Canada could book a trip by the end of the week to the World Cup on its own, full marks, top of the group, CONCACAF. Pretty That's cool. crazy. Pretty cool when you say it like that. Uh, that does it for us. Crazy night's night on the network. Rogers Hometown Hockey over on Sportsnet. Habs and Bruins. Oilers and Habs later tonight. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, everybody.